This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show just for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this bite-sized episode, Jason and Kyle share a practical tip that every e-commerce leader should know. Let's jump in. The first section that we really worked through was sort of what we call the dream stage, where you put together your e-commerce hopes and dreams, starting off sort of phase. Then the second phase we talked about, and we just wrapped up in the last session, was the attitudes, habits of, uh, you know, kind of emotional frame of mind attitudes, where you, uh, you know, you bring the right mental game, the right mindset to the e-commerce party. And uh, so, because so frequently you can mess stuff up just in your own thinking, you're going to be wrong and mess stuff up. And so we work through a whole set of habits of e-commerce rainmakers uh, that relate to their attitudes and uh, the mind game. And then now we've moved into this new section that we want to work through, which is really what we're calling the trade skill habits. These are habits that the e-commerce professionals that, you know, you, you might call it this pure uh, excellence in the trade skill itself of online selling e-commerce uh, work. And so this is a real fun one to me because this is when I think a lot of people say, well, what does it take to be, you know, if, if I wanted to be a fireman, somebody could tell me, you know, I could go talk to old retired firemen um, and find out what it took. Or if I wanted to be an airline pilot, I'd go talk to airline pilots and say, what is this business like? Same for dentists or you know, electrician or anything like that, being a minister or professor, you can go and find out, well, this is us. We're talking about e-commerce. What does it take in the trade skill of e-commerce selling? It's a relatively new industry. So, um, you know, and, but Kyle and I teach online marketing at Northwest University as adjunct professors. And then we, again, teach in Udemy. So uh, all that to say, this is the framework we want to talk about now. Um, this next section is uh, trade skills. So I've got a couple topics for us. The first one, in my mind, the trade skill that is the trade skill above all trade skills when it comes to e-commerce is what I like to call call to action mastery. Now, the idea of being a call to action master, that's a pretty good, like catchy phrase. Would you consider yourself a call to action master? (laughs) <laughs> a call to action master. I think we'd have to define it a little bit more, but I yeah. do in fact have that as my nameplate on my desk. So <laughs> I think I no, not not really. But it is super important because it, yeah, it should it's it's gonna be a merch shirt. Maybe <laughs> maybe we'll create a merch shirt and then you will have access to go uh yeah. to go get it. But at the end of the day, e-commerce is about what? Selling products. Right. And in order to make a sale, you have to have a sales pitch. And that sales pitch is your call to action. It doesn't matter if you're selling a $1 widget or a $20,000 mastermind or car or whatever it is. There's got to be the ask. That is yeah. the end of the day. And whether you're doing that uh, on a webinar, whether you're doing it on video, whether you're doing it on long form copy, whether you're doing it on a product page, there has to be the ask. So mastering the ask is what it thinks in my mind yep. to be the call to action master, uh, guru, teacher, uh, who is making that, making the rain happen. Yeah. yeah. And that, as on a, that, yeah, exactly. And as a habit, what that looks like is you're always thinking about the, the effective 
close, the effective copywriting or wording positioning for the call to action. And so e-commerce stores are, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of this that's art and there's quite a bit of this that's sort of science, data science. And yeah, being an e-commerce, you know, a call to action master in this space means that you're top of mind habitually thinking, what is my call to action structure like and is it working? And you know how it's like um, anything else to be uh, habitually good at it. First of all, if you find somebody who's really, really good at it and you ask them if they're good at it, they'll probably say, no, I'm not that good at it because they know how many ways in which they're deficient. And, you know, so beware the person who says they actually are the call to action master, but be, be, uh, you know, realize that as a habit of thinking and of, of practice, you want to be in the habit of saying, how do I optimize and perfect and refine my call to actions. And you, you know, so you'll never be there. It's never, there's never a mountaintop that you're on. It's always an exercise of saying, how do I optimize my call to action? How do I make it better, more efficient, more elegant, um, more almost, you know, mindless for the customer that yes, of course they want to say yes and buy the product. And so that's the exercise. That's the discipline. So, you know, um, in reality, it's a journey that we're all on together. We're all learning together and the mastery of it is really the goal. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, so for me to answer your question, I would see myself as the call to action student. There you go. Um, I don't feel like I'm a master in it, but I also know mentally there's always another level in a right. skill set. There's always another level. Even if you thought you're like, I, but here's the beauty of it. I don't have to be the master. I just have to be proficient, right? Like I just have to make the sale. And if I have a level of proficiency, that's going to enable me and give me data in order to take my, take it up to the next level. Or maybe I'm going to go and I'm going to, if I'm, if it's paying for itself and I'm making money, I might go learn from a person who's at a higher level of mastery than me and try to get to that level in my own business. So you don't have to be an expert at it in order to be successful. You just have to be proficient at it and constantly working on that skill. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the way to, to approach it. So you might be sitting here thinking if you're, you know, if you're wondering what exactly are you guys talking about? Like what specifically do you mean by, you know, the habit of call to action mastery? So good example would be, you know, you've, you've obviously, if you're talking about Shopify, the platform we highly recommend, you've got a product listing. Many, many, many of the stores that we look at for students that we uh, interact with, when we look at their, um, their uh, sorry, I'm getting notified. Uh, when we look at their Shopify store, their product will be listed with literally no compelling call to action in the description. You know, like no reason yeah. why the customer should buy, no, n- nothing that says, here's why this is a great product or, you know, nothing that says, if you have this problem, here's the, you know, this, this product is a great solution and here's why nothing that uses persuasive arguments in the description itself of a product. So that's one place call to action could be a fantastic, uh, you know, source or to think about optimizing. Another place to think about uh, as it relates to call to action is, Um, You know, so many people talk with Shopify about traffic. I need traffic. I need traffic. I need traffic. Well, um, okay. So what's your call to action on any, you know, external 
site that's going to yeah. bring people to your uh, Shopify site effectively. That call to action about you know the acquisition of new uh, prospects. Um, right. That's a second spot. So you know if you're doing work advertising, uh, you know how does that call to action effectively work? And a lot of times that's trial and error. Mm-hmm. You find what works over time. You see what you know is possible and not, and what resonates with your customers or not. Um, so that's the second spot is and the that, advertising space. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, and that feeds back to the data part of it. Yep. So you're data focused on your cost action because you're trying to actually give yourself actionable insight into what needs to be improved upon because what you don't measure never improves, right? It's, it's, that's my paraphrase of that quote. Um, but in essence, if you're not measuring, you're not using data, then you can't make, uh, gradual improvements to your calls to action. And because calls to action might vary from, like Jason was mentioning from platform to platform, but Mm -hmm. also upon which level and person you're trying to target in in kind of the the customer journey. So if you're in advertising, there's cold traffic. There's people who don't know who you are, know who your brand is and your, your messaging and your call to action to them will be vastly different than your returning customer. It's a different messaging. It's a different call to action across the board. So having levels of sophistication that is one way you gain mastery. Yep, yep, totally agree. So on your product, in your advertising, a third one would be in your, let's say, email marketing. You know, so many times, and this is where it's like, in email marketing, you can actually place people into the different parts of your business funnel or product categories in compelling ways. And if you've got a customer who bought one thing, how do you have them buy a second thing? It's related. And so those call to actions um, are interesting. Obviously on Shopify, you have recommendation engine opportunities where if they bought something, they can be presented with a second product offer. And that gives you another place to have a call to action. If you like this, then you might like that. But the wording there, you can really geek out over and think about, well, why would they like that? Um, and the call to action language related to, ref, you know, to recommendations is, is another spot. So, so those are examples of how to think about being a call to action master. Uh, and hopefully if you're listening to this, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I, that's something I can tune up. I can go look at those three or four or five areas of my e-commerce business. And I could say, what, what am I doing in those spaces? And is it effective? Is it a best practice? And can I, can I improve? in those areas. So that's my first topic for uh, our conversation today. Any final thoughts on call to action? It's a pretty good one, right? It's a good one. It's an important skill. You will not make it very far in your e-commerce business and career if you're not focused on selling products effectively. So mastering that and gaining proficiency at it is a first step. And then continuing to refine your skill is a rainmaker skill set for sure. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Totally agree. Okay, so our second topic for trade skills is uh, one that's really super important that I want to just sort of walk people through and get your opinion on because you might have a different opinion than me, but I think this is a critical skill. And I call this one being an HTML basic hacker or button smasher. And, you know, so often if you're going to, if you're going to work in e-commerce, you're either coming from it from you got computer programming experience, you're kind of a techie guy or gal, or you're coming from it from sort of a salesy, you know, position where you're like sales and marketing, or you're coming from a product maker. 
And when you're in either of those last two, product maker or, um, you know, sales marketing person, you probably don't have any exposure to basic online code work. HTML generally is the most commonly, uh, you know, interacted with code, hypertext markup language. Um, and so the issue here is what you want to have is basic competency. And so you can't be dependent on a webmaster to do everything for your e-commerce business. You just can't. And so we interact with people. Uh, we work with, with people who literally have their whole desire to sell online has been completely sabotaged because they don't have any competency at all with basic HTML or in Shopify, the, the meta language they use um, is called liquid. And so the code you work in for your sites, you have to develop some smidgen of basic competency so that you can fix things, resolve issues, you know, uh, correct problems without constantly having to send a ticket to Johnny support desk somewhere and hope that he prioritizes you. You just can't operate that way. And yeah, part of it. And we are not um, just, you know, for our company, we are not techies. And so this was a real struggle. We were on WordPress for the first six years of our business and it killed us because we weren't competent enough and our site would continuously break. There would be issues and we constantly had, had to use an outside um, you know, service. And so when we migrated to Shopify, we were just like, woohoo, this is so amazing because literally Shopify is this in this sweet spot of having all of the integrations done properly, the code work done, the core site, the themes, the apps, they all work properly. And it's very, it's rarer that you have to work in the liquid uh, in Shopify compared to working in the HTML when you were on WordPress. At least that was our experience. Nonetheless, we still have to know how to get into the liquid and uh, tune things up. So all that to say, you've got to develop some core competency around that topic or you'll be hamstrung and at the, at the, you know, um, mercy of finding some person that's your webmaster. And so um, when you, when you can do the basics and the core competency, and we can talk about how to get some of that competency, but at least it allows you to do some editing. Of course, you'll probably want to find a, a webmaster or consultant or guru who can do harder projects for you but that would be rare, mm -hmm. especially if you're on Shopify. It'd be almost um, very, very uncommon, let's say that. What are your thoughts on being an HTML button smasher? Are you? I, I think, um, yeah, I'm pretty proficient in HTML. Yeah. Um, I do a lot or of uh, direct coding for, for um, uh, particularly HTML and CSS because I do a lot of email marketing. So uh, it's very helpful when you can jump into a, the HTML and an email and actually make fine-tune edits and not have to rely on necessarily a builder, do that kind of stuff. So that's where most of my HTML comes into play. It's more CSS than anything else. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not unafraid to jump into Liquid. I've done it before, and I've made yeah. tweaks to sites and in my sites and kind of and doing that. I will say, though, that I think there's, there's a, there's a two-edged uh, approach to this. There's, kind of, there's a pro and a con. Yep. The pro is 
if you think you have to master HTML or liquid in order to be successful and, and you don't have that as a core competency already, and you let that slow down your process and your progress and you moving forward, that's an issue. That's a problem. That's not what we're, it's not what and we're it's, saying. And it's not true. What we're saying it's is that you, yeah. Yeah. it is. Yeah, correct. But, but that's what some people will hear when they, and they're like, oh, I have to know HTML and they're going to yeah. tune out. It's not, it's not, it's not the case. What, what it's allowing you to do is to kind of understand how a core portion of your business is functioning and working and how you can make changes to it so you're not being completely reliant on somebody. You will still probably have to find the right developer who can help you with, uh, especially at the beginning, especially if you're at the beginning of your process, you're kind of getting your site fine-tuned and tuned in the way that you want it. It's very likely that you're going to need to make changes to your template and it may require someone who has far more skill than you. Yeah. Uh, so have that person in your Rolodex. Go out there and make sure you have them locked down. Give them a small project to do and see if they execute on it well. But at that same time, don't, uh, don't just be like, oh, I bury your head in the sand and not understand uh, the technology and the languages and the programming behind it. Um, you wanted to at least have a core understanding. You want to be able to speak the language. Even if you're not like, I'm just a master coder, if you can speak the language that the developer will know, then you're going to be able to communicate more effectively with that developer and ultimately save you time and money. Because the clearer you are with your instructions and, and, you can speak, and speaking that language, the more effective they're going to be in doing these projects for you. Muted, muted, muted. Sorry. Yeah, totally agree. Hundred percent. And it, and so people should hear us very carefully. This is basic competency, and even yes. not even competency is the right word, but it's just basic exposure, so that you know mm -hmm. in general um, how to get stuff done or do it yourself and where to hand it off. Because, yeah, as you said, it's a two-edged sword. And what we have also seen is. There are people who think I am going to do it myself because I'm a control freak and are candidly horrible at <laughs> this stuff. Yeah, and they end sure. up producing sites that are like, um, let's just say hideous. And so, you know, that's a, that's Frank, the wrong, that's the wrong uh, swing of the pendulum too far. Yeah. And so what you want to do is just yeah. get it, get in there, get stuff done and know how to get stuff resolved uh, when it's beyond your, or, you know, kind of beyond your depth. Yeah. One, one example of this would be for, so if you went out and you polled um, Shopify store owners and you asked them, hey, what is the programming language that Shopify runs on? Yeah. The sophisticated top-end sellers will be able to tell you, I would imagine to a T, oh, it's liquid. Liquid is, is the pro. And the reason why they know that is because they've, they, they're owning their business, but they also realize that I have to go out and, and hire someone to, to do some customization, some tweaking, some fine tuning. Maybe yeah. I'm working on conversion optimization on my site and I need some stuff done to go out and hire somebody to do that. You got to know who to hire, who has the expertise. And so we, once you, uh, it's liquid, I'm going to go out and find someone who's an expert at Shopify who understands liquid and can demonstrate that, that yep. to you then you, you, you know what's going on, right? But if you're like, oh, I don't know. If you're an unsophisticated seller and you're not mastering your skill set and you don't know what, what even the, the programming language that your e-commerce store runs on, yeah. that's where we're talking about understanding, be able to speak the language and know what is being um, discussed. Yeah. And even though you may not know the fine-tuned details, you can at least talk about it and you can go and hire the right person for that kind of yeah. job. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how 
you can expand your exposure to this information if you don't have any competency at all. Uh, you know, a few tips and suggestions, and maybe we'll even add some links uh, below this video when it's finally edited and, and uh, shared. But, um, you know, for a long time, what I would do is I would just Google what I'm trying to do. Like for, for the longest time, I, I could never remember in HTML when I was working on stuff, how to embed an image and then have it be a clickable link at the same time. Yep. So there's an HTML code that's, you know, it's just a string of, you know, uh, that you include that, you know, when you know how to do it, it works properly. And so I could never remember what that was. And so I would always just Google it. And I always had a bookmark um, resource that uh, I don't think they're in existence anymore, but it was Seth Godin's company called Squidoo. And they used to make these lenses. It was called a Squidoo lens. And it was like basic HTML instructions. And I had that because it was, there was four or five that I always refer back to. But we don't do that anymore. I don't have to do that very often ever. Um, but that's, you know, a lot of this can be resolved by just hitting up, for example, Shopify and their resource section um, and starting to identify, okay, this is a common behavior I have to do. And here's my how-to instructional link, um, you know, help tip that I bookmark. That's how I work through this stuff. So it's not like you have to go and you know, enroll in a junior college or anything like that. Not at all. This is basic searching for what you want to achieve, bookmarking things. Once you find a good resource, kind of create a short list of, uh, you know, sources online that you can go to in general. What, what did you do? How did you gain some competence in this regard? Um, you, anything specific? I Googled and yeah. Yeah. did uh, yeah. It was primarily just you learn it. I mean, I back early, back in the early days, I did. I was an intern at a programming uh, development web development company, and so I learned a little bit of a uh, little bit of JavaScript, a little bit of ASP, which is another programming language for the web, and HTML. So I had some background in that, and then primarily, then forgot it all, and then got when I got back and more doing HTML for email marketing started relearning and, and expanding that yeah. for the CSS primarily kind of making customizations that I want to done uh, to particular emails and stuff like that. So it's primarily just doing, and then I would Google it as well. If I had a question, I mean, I'd also, I mean, occasionally I'd ask our web developer who was an expert and be like, Hey, how, how do I do this particular thing? And he'd show me one time and then I would just keep rocking and roll. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a very, very common experience. And that's what you hear from e-commerce sellers. They generally won't do it all themselves because, you know, if you're using Shopify, you don't have to. But when when uh, push comes to shove, you know how to do some stuff and you know how to get stuff done or find people who help you. Um, and that's what we're talking about. So that's HTML, basic button smasher, you know, know-how, uh, good habit. Yep. Okay, so our third habit for today that we want to talk about and then we'll wrap it up is what I would call role modeling. And this is such a huge habit that I really believe the best in the world are expert at. And that's finding the ideal role models that shape and guide their thinking on how to achieve something. And then using those people as sort of the wireframe or template to um, copy and um, learn from so that you really, uh, in essence, find sort of your ideal so that you don't have to spend 
a lot of time thinking about from scratch how you want to do stuff. And this applies to website design. Uh, it applies to product suite or product integration strategies, kind of, you know, how you would put together your collection of products. Um, it goes on and on. Did you hear Alexa? She just wanted to, she wanted to get me a product right when I uh, mentioned oh, the word. Alexa, right. order Jeff, Jason a BMW. Jeff Bezos is listening right now. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, so you get the idea that you can model different aspects. You can model even somebody's um, new customer onboarding. So when you find uh, a site you like or product industry, whatever, uh, see how they treat you and use that as a model. So, so this is a huge habit that I think really competent e-commerce people um, immediately have figured out a long time ago. And they just, they do this by habit. Um, they don't even think about it, but it's a core concept that a lot of new people coming into the space um, are unclear on. And over time, they kind of get it. They kind of realize, okay, I don't have to reinvent the wheel about everything. I don't have to start from scratch. I don't, if I'm, if I'm selling tennis shoes, you know, I, I go look at the other tennis shoe sellers and um, go from there. So this is a huge habit to me. What are your thoughts on role modeling? How, how have you used this in your business life? Is this something that you gravitate towards? Yeah, definitely. I use it all the time. Like I will go out there. There's a particular sort of challenge or roadblock that I'm facing in our business, then I will actively go out and try to find someone who I know who is either doing it well, or I'll ask people. I, I mean, that one of the benefits of building your network of who, who you know is that they either know the answer or they know someone who knows the answer. And so I, you'll just ask and then you'll immediately get feedback about, oh, this person's doing this. So you go check them out. And so then you just go and you cyber stalk them um, like a normal normal person would and uh, <laughs> figure out what, you know, what they're doing. And then if they have, you know, resources available, you try to just break down those resources or, or even reach out to them directly. I mean, that there's nothing wrong. Yeah. If you know somebody and you're trying to build your network and just reach out to people and you'd yeah. be surprised if you're coming from a place of trying to also provide value, um, you'd be surprised how much value people are willing to give back to you as well and help you yeah. succeed. So modeling what they're doing and, and kind of breaking it down, reverse engineering it is, uh, is absolutely an important skill set to, to, to do in your business because it, it applies to almost there's, I don't think there's one area in your business that you can't apply this particular skill set to. You can start breaking down and reverse engineering pretty much everyone's business or, or, or something that they're solving or a portion of their business yep. and uh, begin to make application to your own. And that uh, it's a really powerful skill set to have. Yeah. It's one that you want to continue to get better at as you go. Yeah. So you raise an interesting question and that's when do you go from the cyber stocking modeling concept to the actually letting them know that they, you know, you're copying right. in a way. And I'll tell you, it's very interesting. And I guess the question would be unique for everybody, but uh, when you would do that, but the interesting part to me is some of the people who, when you approach them or when you want to model them, it's very telling how strong their business is and how defensible their business is because the weaker e-commerce sellers will be spooked off by that. 
and they'll be mm-hmm. uh, they'll be fragile. They'll be afraid. They'll be upset. They'll threaten you. You know, they won't like the fact that you're modeling them somehow. The the more competent, more um, rock solid e-commerce sellers will be like, yeah, here's what I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you want to compete with me, fine, whatever, bring it. You know, so, yeah. but, you know, obviously there's difference there in terms of the industries you're in, but in general, I think it is right. interesting when you would either stock them secretly, model them in private versus doing it straight up. Hey, you know, can you tell me how you do this or that? Um, and obviously, you know, if you have a relationship, it helps. Uh, but uh, that, that is an interesting aspect of this. But yeah, because um, there are some things that you can't, there, there are parts of business you don't know, the back end of a business. Yeah you know, the, the, the aspects of a business that maybe are more private and it is great to be a part of a mastermind group or a part of a coaching program. Uh, Brendan Burchard comes to my mind. I've gone to a lot of his, uh, his uh, conferences and um, his experts Academy. He'll, and you know, we run on Kajabi for winning on Shopify. Um, he, you know, he basically says, here's my Kajabi wireframe templates, copy my, page structures, you know, and he tells you what works. And uh, he actually is a co-owner now of Kajabi Investor. But um, nonetheless, that's just how he kind of rolls as he says, here's, here's how I do effective online selling and uh, copy it. And hopefully we're modeling that as well, where we're saying, you know, candidly, here's what we do. Um, And, uh, you know, you can use us as role models if it makes sense. And um, so we want to model that. I guess what you might call um, statesman-like um, behavior, where we're willing to say we're go- we're willing to be a teacher and we're willing to show you what we're doing enough so that you can actually model us. Um, and I, I think that I guess I've seen a lot of people in a lot of situations where they won't tell you what they do completely. Um, and it, to me, that always tips off the insecurity they have or the weakness in their business model. Um, and, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that's another aspect of this that I think is important yeah, yeah. to think through, you know, so. Yeah, I, I just in terms of business model, this is a little bit of a sidetrack. I heard somebody say recently that if your product itself isn't defensible, then you better make sure that the systems that run your business are. Oh, and it was wow. an interesting tweak on it he was like talking about how you may sell the exact same widget as somebody else but the systems that run your business can be defensible you can build a better mousetrap not not only not not at the product level but at the business organizational level that will still produce the win and be defensible for the long term and i thought it was really really insightful um it was a side note talking about, you know, uh, how you connect with people and role model. And I was like, wow, that that's actually really, really solid. Like the better that actually building a moat, because oftentimes we think about, okay, my product has to be defensible on its own. You know, I got to have patents and I got to do all this stuff. And that may be true. And if you have that and you're working towards that, continue to do that. That's cool. But there are many cases where that's just not the case. And then how do you create with a brand and business structure and, and, processes in your business that do become defensible uh it was it it was a good thing so you want to be able to role model those types of sellers and what they're doing and if if you can and you have a relationship built them see how that works who said that 
Who do you know who that was? That was that's a fantastic. Uh, yes, um, I don't Either think rough on my head. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I, 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 I'll send it to you. Um, he owns um, a software company called uh, Scubana. Okay. Chad. Okay. So it's a uh, fantastic. I'll, I'll I'll tell you his exact uh, name when I, I have to go back and look it up. I I wrote down the note. So it reminds me of the old AT and T commercial from like the eighties. I think it was where it was like their their whole tagline was the system is the solution. I think that was the, mm-hmm. the tagline. You know, when it comes to defensibility, there that's uh, there's some real truth there. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so but the habit of role modeling is uh, of course the the key part here. And uh, so yeah, I mean going to um, the most effective uh, sellers in your space, seeing how they do it and learning from them is obviously a key, key attribute. So that's the topic set for today. Our three habits um, called the action mastery, HTML, basic button smashing and uh, role modeling. And so we're well on our way here through the 32 habits. Uh, let's wrap this up and then what we'll do is we'll continue with the next uh, session next week where we're going to keep drilling into the trade skill related habits hopefully you're getting a huge amount out of this if you're still hanging in there with us watching us uh, live or through replay on Facebook give us a like love comment or share feel free to do that we'd be really appreciative and of course if you're watching this through uh, our inner circle group uh, videos or through our Udemy training. Thank you so much. And feel free to hit us up. Uh, if you have any questions about these topics, we'd love to answer your questions. That's why we're doing this uh, is to help folks. And uh, we're really, really passionate about it. We love, we love interacting with people and answering questions as, uh, as topics come up. And uh, so that's a fun part of it. So with that said, any final comments, sir? Good. I think you, it's good stuff, man. Good I feel stuff. like it was super, super valuable. And we just have to kind of keep all refining our skills, keep going to the next level. There's always Absolutely. a level above you and you continue to push towards that in everything that you're doing. So yep. uh, hopefully, hopefully out of this will inspire some new rainmakers and help some uh, rainmakers become even better rainmakers as they grow their business. So that's, that's our goal. Absolutely. And if we didn't say it already, if you, aren't a member of our inner circle program, we should do an effective call to action here real quick. The uh, inner circle program you can sign up for on winningonshopify.com. It is a $19 a month uh, membership program where you basically get a huge amount of trainings. You get access to our entire catalog of trainings and uh, for free, you know, it's a part of the program. And then of course you get access to a, uh, Facebook group, a private group, uh, where we're in it, answering questions all the time. And then we're also doing two other things that I think are hugely valuable. They are hugely valuable. I know we hear this regularly. Uh, the first one is everybody who joins gets a 30-minute uh, onboarding conversation. We do it just like this through Zoom video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we um, hang out, learn about uh, the business that you're operating. We also try to make sure that any trainings that we have that are directly relevant to where you're at, you know, are are, uh, you know, pointed out and we answer questions. We have a good time. We get to know folks. So that's a blast. It's always fun. And then the second thing we like to do is what we're doing right now called our traffic breakthrough sessions with our inner circle members. It's a 30 minute consultation related to the nine sources of online traffic. 
and how they apply to your e-commerce operation. And so that uh, free uh, bonus is really, I think, a huge, huge opportunity as well. There's no uh, ulterior motive there. We're just trying to give people access to great training related to traffic and uh, how you can apply it to your Shopify site. So thoughts on joining the inner circle letter, pal? Any commentary on that? If someone asked me to describe the inner circle, I, sure. I would tell them this. Our goal is to create the Netflix of e-commerce. Like you want to be able to have a lot of options at not a price point that's going to break the bank. We want to be the Netflix of e-commerce training and online marketing training and that provides you what you need when you need it and you can have it on demand and you get it. And so we're adding more content all the time and we would love to have you uh, join that program. Yeah, absolutely. So jump on winningonshopify.com to sign up. We'd love to have you, uh, you know, connect with us that way. And then we'll set up that, um, that orientation welcome video hangout and, uh, and hang out and talk about your biz. Yeah, fun times. All right, pal, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the e-commerce leader. Hey, don't forget to subscribe because when you do, you'll get notified. And next time you log into your podcast player, you'll see our latest episode nestling at the top of your lists. Thanks again for listening. Yeah.